Good morning, church. Uh, I know, I know, t- today is not Easter Sunday, and uh, this passage often being used on uh, Easter Sunday, and, uh, but I have other angle to look at this passage today, so um, just bear with me. Uh, Easter Sunday is coming. Uh, I'm, I'm just stealing one passage from my pastors, so they won't be able to use this uh, on Easter Sunday. And I just want to show you today, I would like to look at this painting. Can you show? Uh, can you guys see? So um, this is the painting right there. Uh, it's a vision statement of our church. I picked the painting, uh, usually our uh, brother who uh, does this banner, he's the one suggested uh, different styles that you will see on those banners. But this time I gave him this painting because uh, I love this painting. Uh, every time I look at it, it will give me a sense of warmth in my heart because the, it's beautiful to look at it. And um, so may I ask you this morning, uh, what did you see from this painting? Just by looking at it, uh, what do you see? Yeah, that one is more beautiful, too. <laughs> you see people walking? Uh, trees, all that. Overcast, sky. So what do you see? Well, may I suggest... Yeah, you see a lot of trees, but we are not sure about that in, uh, in the Middle East. Maybe, may not be. Uh, in those uh, hill, you know, hills, do they have such a big trees? We are not sure. So overcast sky, sun is setting, kind of, you know, you, you see it because we know the story. They were almost getting home, it's getting dark, so we know that it's almost like uh, sun is setting. Jesus, we assume Jesus was in the middle in this painting, and Jesus was talking with two persons, or two disciples. So both disciples engage in a talk. So they are on a journey together. So this might be, you know, you can look at it, and uh, in your mind, this is what you, what you see, because you see for sure people are talking, they are on a journey, and uh, it's a beautiful scenery, all those things. But something that we cannot see from the painting, and that's why I think Luke we call it this incident. And uh, only Luke, the book of Luke, uh, recorded this incident. So uh, we really need to look at it. And uh, from other uh, writers, maybe they think this is not an important incident that they need to record. But Luke, as we know, he, he was a medical doctor. He, he paid more attention to details, as we all know that. That's why maybe he, uh, he recorded this incident. And I think this is a wonderful story. As I said, every time I look at this uh, painting, it just gives me a sense of warmth in my heart. It's so feel comfortable, you know, seeing Jesus walking with me, with others on a journey. And uh, so it's just uh, made me feel very good. And uh, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 27 today. As I said, we see something from the painting, but at the same time, we cannot tell what is going on actually in this conversation or what kind of uh, mood that they were in and uh, what kind of stuff that they were discussing. So I just want to look at this together with you 
And uh, if you look at this uh, chapter, uh, this story, we know that uh, the disciples were walking home, and um, <clears throat> it was just after uh, Sabbath, Saturdays. Now Sunday, we all know that this is Sunday because this is the third day, as they mention it. So they are leaving Jerusalem, just like Toronto. You know, after the weekend, people are driving home. But instead of driving home, they are walking home. So a lot of people actually are leaving Jerusalem. So they are going home, and these two uh, disciples are going back to their hometown, the village. Not a city, but a village, uh, Emmaus. So we do not know exactly where that village was, but uh, at least we know that it's about 10 kilometers from uh, Jerusalem. So it was not a really long journey. You can finish it in two or three hours walking. If you walk really fast, I was doing some calculations. So maybe uh, less than three hours to be uh, heading home. So they were on their way and uh, seems to be they were very disappointed with God. Okay, disappointment with God. I, I think a lot of time we were very scared to mention about that. Uh, I remember um, many years ago there was a book it would really uh, shake the whole Christian world when that book came out. And um, so we're going to talk about that later. So as you can see, uh, I have three points to share with you today. Very straightforward, based on this story. Nothing fancy, okay? The first one I want to share with you is disappointment with God. Really, disappointment with God. And um, because when, if you look at the passage, let's come back to uh, Luke chapter 24. Actually, the story uh, does not end with 27. We'll continue on, but uh, save time. So I just want you to uh, uh, read the majority, majority of the story. So verse 13 describes uh, their journey. They are going home. And uh, if you look at it, they stood still. See, Jesus came by. You see, it's very important uh, to mention the name of the disciple, Cleopas. Nobody knows who he was. And uh, that was not the favorite or famous uh, 12 disciples. Just one of the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus actually took time to spend time with these two disappointed disciples on their journey home. I think I find a lot of comfort looking at this because those are just regular, nobody seems to be disciples just like us. And God actually, Jesus actually took time to spend time with them because they were so confused, they were so hurt, they were so disappointed, and uh, they were just heading home without any solid answers. And Jesus came. So comforting. Because a lot of time we thought, Jesus doesn't care about me because I'm just nobody, I'm not pastor, I'm not elder, you know, I'm not spiritual enough to draw his attention. No, it's not true. And uh, look at the name. I think Luke purposely wrote down the name so that we don't have to second guess. He said one of those 12 disciples, you know, they were confused. That's why Jesus had to spend time with him. So he just mentions one out of Many, many people spending time in Jerusalem that we end. And uh, let's look at it. So they were discussing, they were talking. So verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. I just love this, you know, walked along with them, but they were 
kept from recognizing him, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus asked us a question. Why are you so downcast? You know, why are you so disappointed? Why are you so frustrated? You know, a lot of times Jesus comes to our lives and also asking questions like that. And he took the initiative. He came along, he asked, he took the first question. What are you talking about? What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and they just stopped and faced downcast. Their faces downcast. They were so disappointed. They were so frustrated. And they were so confused because if you look at the conversation they, they have, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one? So they were kind of confused, first of all, who are you? You are on this journey and seems you have no idea what happened in Jerusalem. You must be staying at home all the time in a building and did not know what was happening. So are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So everybody on this journey going home, I think a lot of people on this road actually, the painting seems to be just focusing on these three people. But if you look at it in reality, you can think about Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, so many vehicles exiting Toronto. Same idea, but instead of driving, they were just walking. So they're leaving uh, Jerusalem. So a lot of people actually on this road, I'm sure they were just listening to each other as they were walking. And people are talking about this news, about this guy, you know, crucified, and then all these things. So they were kind of wondering why Jesus seems to be, have no clue what was going on. So what things, verse 19, about Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, they reply, he was a prophet. You see, that is the beginning of our disappointment, of our confusion. Look at the conversation and look at how they answer Jesus' question. What is happening? What kind of thing that you are talking about? He was a prophet. You see, after so many years of ministry, after so many years of teaching, and uh, seems to be his disciples, uh, not just the 12, because uh, Luke said that they are also pretty close, that's why they, he was, they were called also disciples. He was a prophet. You see, a lot of time we have problem with God because we have a wrong concept of who he was or who he is. To them, he was just a prophet. You know, downgraded from Messiah, a redeemer, Christ, to just a regular one of those prophets. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And that the chief priests and our rulers hang him over to be sentenced to death and they crucify him. You see, the first problem was that we, we do not really know who Jesus is in our life. This is our first fundamental problem that triggered more confusion, more disappointment with God because we already have a concept who God should be. That's a major, major problem. We think God should be this way. We think God should have these characters. We think God, you know, when we ask, when we pray, He should act right away. We should 
ask him and he will solve my problems just like cooking instant noodles. I give him two minutes to solve my problems. And this is our concept of God. No wonder we have so much disappointment with him. This is the book. Many years ago, I can't remember exactly, but this book has been around for about 20 years now. When this book came out, really, I mean, I was there, you know, as a young, young pastor, young Christian, I'm not young anymore as a Christian, but young pastor. You know, this question, we thought about it a lot. Deep down in our hearts, we struggle with God. We have disappointment with Him but we never dare, at least my generation, we never dare to say it, especially in public. So when this book came out, it was like, you know, people thought, wow, this guy is crazy. Eugene Peterson. How dare him to really point this out and say that we actually disappoint with God. And he actually disappoint us. Because this is against our belief. He never made mistakes. How can he be the one that causing all this disappointment in our lives? So, of course, he was talking about, then how many of you have read this book, first of all? Oh, wow. I have an old copy, you know, the, it doesn't look like that. It looks like another older version. And uh, maybe if you are disappointed with God these days, today, or tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, I mean yesterday, I hope you can pick up one of these books very cheap now because it's already been around for many years. You go to Amazon, oh, I'm sorry, uh, not selling commercial. But you can get a soft copy, I'm sure, it's much cheaper. Uh, if you really uh, want to find out what he says about this, the topic of disappointment with God, I think you need to read this book. It will help you. So, continue this passage. So, they were kind of confused. To start with, they do not really know who Jesus was. So, verse 21, but we have hope now. This is the, another problem, starting. One, first of all, we are not sure who Jesus is in our lives because we believe what we believe. We, we, we shape who God is. You see, when we shape who God is, the danger is we are shaping an idol because this is what idol means. We are shaping something that we can worship and expecting this God to do whatever we are asking them. So we are shaping who God is. And then verse 21, that is another confusion, another frustration, the cause of it, at least in their hearts. But we had hope, you see? We had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, they already have an agenda for him. They already thought this is the things that he should do. We assume, we hope, and we expect he will redeem Israel as a political messiah. You see, the people over there at that time, 22,000 years ago, the Jewish people, even in Jesus' time, did not have the concept that they need redemption because they are God's people. They are already chosen. So what they are thinking of is political redemption from Roman Empire. So in their hearts, they are thinking a political messiah. 
All these cause frustration and disappointment with God. Now we can read this and say, oh, come on, you guys, how silly you are. But think about it. We also go through this together sometimes as a church, as individual believers. When we are going through lives, we also feel God is abandoning us because we, as I said, we think who God should be. That is the problem that we have. And uh, they are expecting him to do as a political messiah, redeem them from the suppression of the Roman Empire. We have hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem us. And what is more, you see, what is more? It is the third day. Why, why would they say that? What is more is the third day since all this took place. Because he said that the third day, what? He will risen. Now it's the third day. We don't know where he is. So we cannot trust his words. We cannot trust Jesus. Because this is the third day now. We are leaving Jerusalem and nothing happened, you see. He's not around, even though the women said that it seems that they saw him, but we cannot believe those women because in those days, women cannot be a witness. Their words cannot be trusted. So they were confused. Confused, frustrated, disappointed, because they all start with the wrong foot, <laughs> thinking about Jesus as a prophet, thinking about that, what he would do for him or for myself, you know, for all this, and did not deliver. That's why I'm so disappointed. And these two disciples were so sad going home because nothing happened the way that it was supposed to be. Do you go through this, brothers and sisters, in your daily life? You pray. You read the scriptures. You ask God about this. Sometimes, do you feel confused or disappointed? Like all these things happening in this world? Not personal scale. You might tell me, Pastor, I, nothing happened to me. I, you know, I'm smooth sailing. My life is okay. I don't see God disappointing me. But look around the world, which, of course, you look at those things. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to see it because it would just disturb you. So, but they are existing. They are here every day when the world is spinning. All these things are happening. We just pretend we don't see it. So if I bring this to you, you might think, oh, yeah, so pain, so much pain, so much hurt, so much evil in this world. Why is this happening? Why, you're asking. Because if God is you know, all-powerful, all-loving, you know, even non-Christians will ask questions like that. You know, your God said that he is love, he loved the world, but why are these happening? Well, a lot of us don't even know how to answer that question, first of all. Because deep down in our hearts, we ask the same question. Why are all these happening? 
God disappointed. It seems he doesn't really care. So this is the situation that we are in. These are the two disciples, you know, in this beautiful painting, did not tell you how frustrated, how disappointed they were with God. And Jesus came. Just regular disciples, just like you and me. Nothing special. With their hearts, they were heavy. They are heading home without answer. And the concept of God was the first problem that they had. Second point I, don't, I just want to share with you is uh, back to the beginning. So Jesus came and said, you see, Jesus, look at it. Jesus tried to correct them. How foolish, verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He was not the prophet, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things. The term that Jesus used was a Messiah, Christ, not prophet. They thought he was prophet, but Jesus said, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So starting from the scriptures, Jesus, I mean, Luke described, we don't know how far back Jesus was talking to them about the Old Testament. But you see, first thing first, they thought he was a prophet. Jesus said, look at it, this Jesus, even though they did not know that he was walking, talking to him, to them, this Jesus was Messiah, not a prophet. You see, we need to correct our thinking, our belief in this God that you commit your life to, I assume. And Jesus, using the word of God, trying to refocus them, help them to refocus who Jesus, the coming Messiah in the Old Testament, who he really was. And uh, that is a very important, brothers and sisters. He might start with Genesis chapter 3, talk about, you know, the fall, the sin, you know, the need for a Messiah. We are in trouble spiritually. We have a broken relationship with God. I'm sure Isaiah must be brought up because there's a lot of passages in Isaiah talks about the first and second coming of the Messiah. So many scriptures, I think, Jesus was using and pointing to them this Messiah, not prophet, Messiah, will suffer. Not for, because he had done something wrong, of course, because he was carrying our sin, chapter 3 of Genesis. So he was talking to them, and uh, we know that uh, a lot of us, when we're in trouble, when we are disappointed, when we are frustrated, what do you do? You get angry. Um, the best you will do sometimes is to pray, you know, God, you know, I need your help. Uh, I'm not, I don't know what is going on with my life. Can you sort this out for me? But do you really take time to read the scriptures? Most of us, maybe five minutes, reading a few verses every day, the best. And this is our time reading scriptures. But Jesus, instead of just arguing or trying to tell them, look at me, I'm Jesus. He said, let's go back to the word of God. 
Let's go back to the Word of God, brothers and sisters. When you are frustrated, when you are disappointed with God, when you are running into trouble, why don't you spend time reading the Word of God instead? And this is how Jesus is trying to show them. When they were frustrated, they need to be refocused. They need to start in the right foot again. Not a prophet, but a Messiah. So this is what Jesus did. And they were kind of walking, talking. And it's very important for us to see that. Instead of just so disappointed with God, you just walk away from church, you walk away from God. Some people have done this. I have done it. Few years, uh, not few years ago, many, many years ago, when I was a teenager. I walk away from God, I walk away from the church. But in my heart, I could never rest. Even though I was a teenager, I still could feel that God was calling me back to the church, calling back to Him. Brothers and sisters, when you are disappointed, you start walking away, maybe we should walk with Jesus. Instead of just walking on your own, you should walk with someone. I love this painting because not only Jesus walking with you, there are more than one person here. When we struggle, when we are disappointed with God, we, all, we, 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 we go through this journey all by ourselves. We don't want to talk to anyone. Religion is private. So I'm not, I don't want to share about this with anyone. And you're just walking alone. Look at this. You have someone walking with you beside Jesus, right here, too. We need someone walking with us in this journey. Not just, of course, Jesus is there. But we also need someone beside Jesus. So I think this painting is, you know, I just love this. <laughs> I can tell you many times. So, because it gives me a lot of signals. You know, Jesus walking this journey with us is a tough journey. It's no guarantee everything's smooth sailing. You're disappointed, you hurt, but you're walking with him, but not alone. There's someone also walking with you if you allow that happen. So the third point I want to share with you is being on this journey again. So if you look at the scriptures, we know that they were toward the end, they were arriving, the town, the village. So Jesus seems to be continue to walking and they invite him for dinner. Well, quite normal, right? So in those days, it's normal. You spend talking to a stranger for so, so long, and then now it's getting dark. So they went home and uh, invite him for dinner. And then the scripture continued to describe they were, what? Having dinner, and Jesus took over. I love this. Jesus took over. He became the host. He became the host of their lives. If you allow, invite him into your home, into your heart, he is going to take over if you allow him. So in this breaking the bread, he blessed and blessed, uh, breaking the bread and give it to them. So all of a sudden, their eyes open. We don't know how. Well, your eyes open too, I hope, now. And um, all of a sudden, they say, oh, 
this is Jesus, the one feeding five thousands. And it's and then did Jesus disappear? His job is over. But they were talking about, wow, you remember when we were talking on this journey, he was talking to us with the scriptures. Our heart was burning. Our heart was burning. You see, this is the important part to allow the Holy Spirit. When you read the scriptures, I just said that. When you are frustrated, you're disappointed with God, take some time to read scriptures, but don't just read it. I know a lot of brothers and sisters just read the scripture because they feel obligated to do it. They feel this is necessary to do it. But they don't really open their hearts when they are reading the scriptures. Yesterday I was sharing with a group of fellowship uh, brothers and sisters last night. May I ask you? I asked them too many questions. Why are you reading the scriptures? Now, there's a lot of lessons learned about how to read the scriptures. What do you expect from reading it? If this is the, uh, the way to read it, so there's uh, all kinds of ways to, sh- to help you to do devotions. You can go to Google and find, say, how do I read the scriptures? And they tell you all kinds of plans and all these programs that you can follow. And if you read this, if you do this, this, is, this might be happening. But they don't really tell you why, you are, why do you need to read the scriptures. May I ask you why? Truly, why are you opening up the Bible? Have you thought about it? Why are you opening up the Bible? So when you allow the Spirit to walk, to, to come into your life, you know, that, that, that frustration, that confusion, I cannot guarantee that you will be gone right away. But this is the beginning. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And they said our hearts were burning. And they want to go back to this journey because the Scripture said that they, they get up and they what? They go back to Jerusalem at night. It's not safe to travel in those days at night. But they got so excited because they see Jesus now. And they want to share this with other disciples. So they are going back to this journey full of joy, knowing what God is doing and knowing that Jesus was indeed risen. And they could not hold on to this wonderful news and they had to go back to this journey and share with other disciples. How many of us have got so excited about God that we actually want to share with somebody? Tell me. Your heart is burned, full of joy, knowing Jesus is right here, and then you say that I have to get up, we need to go back to Jerusalem, even though it's at night, very inconvenient. But I cannot hold on to this joy I have to share with others. I think it's very important in this journey. So what do you see? Again. Jesus is walking with us. Indeed. 
and we are walking together with others. Indeed, very important on this journey of disciple making, being a disciple on this journey. There's ups and downs. Sometimes we are disappointed. Sometimes we are walking. We don't know what is happening with our lives. We don't know what is going on. But Jesus, if you allow Him, He can join the conversation. He will be there, and He's not just talking to you. You need someone to walk together. I know in North America the culture really deep rooted and say religion is private. I'm not sure this is correct at all in the scriptures. When do you see that? It's a private religion, you know, private relationship, very private. Where did you get that? And they go back together. If I read the scripture correctly, not just one and get up and say. Oh, let me take this journey back. Oh, I'm too tired. You know, I, I just want to stay home. You go. You know, I stay. They go back together. They can count on each other at night, walking back to Jerusalem. We need someone in our lives. Of course, Jesus has to be there. Let's pray together. Our Father, I want to give you thanks for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful painting. The painting, even though it's beautiful, a lot of details, 